welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 9th of October 2011, entitled The Practice of Presumption, and the Bible reading is taken from Psalm 19, verses 9 to 14. Here's Brother Steve Elliott. Psalm 19, please. We're going to read from verse uh, 9 down to verse 14. About to stand, please, in the honor of reading God's word. Verse 9. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Verse 13. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I'd like us to uh, take a look this morning at the subject of uh, presumption. We see in verse uh, 13 that uh, King David, he, um, he says, Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. And then he says, Let them not have dominion over me. And... Um, I'd like to ask the question this morning, what would you think that presumptuous sins are? What is a presumptuous sin? What is presumption? Well, the dictionary puts it like this. Um, basically, it's the sin of supposing something to be true without positive proof. To take something for granted. To take liberties. And the Bible describes it as despising the word of the Lord. That's what uh, the Bible describes presumption as. And we see here King David, he's saying, keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins. Don't let me get into uh, those kind of sins. Just keep me back from them, Lord. And, um, you know, maybe David was thinking of the time. Do you remember uh, in Chronicles when um, David had this idea of um, getting the, uh, the ark back? And it was outside of the place where he wanted it to be. And I remember that there was a, a man called Uzzah. And um, when this ark was uh, being taken out and it was put onto the cart, and uh, one of the uh, oxen uh, stumbled, and Uzzah, what did he do? Puts his hand to try and stable it. And uh, the Bible says that the Lord wasn't very happy with him. And um, he was, I think, I believe he was struck down. And uh, we read in 1 Chronicles 15 and verse 2, it says, Then David said, We ought to carry the ark of God. Uh, sorry, we ought not to carry the ark of God, but the Levites. See, the Levites were the people who were to be the ministers. They were the ones who were to carry the ark. These were um, stringent laws that God had set down in the Bible. David must have heard about it. But you see, he presumed to do something. He presumed that this was the right way, but it wasn't according to God's word, and he despised the word of the Lord. And just maybe this was uh, David, David 
being reminded and he was saying, keep back thy servant, keep me from presumptuous sins. Don't let me take liberties, Lord. Don't let me take things for granted. Don't let me despise your word. And uh, this morning, I'd just like us to have a look at some presumptuous sins that not only non-Christians get involved in, but also us as Christians as well. And uh, the first one I'd like us to think about is false professions. Basically, presuming to be something that you're not. Presuming to be a Christian when you're not. You know that there are millions of people who presume to be something that they're not. They presume to be a Christian. Yesterday on the outreach, we met quite a few of people who believed, who presumed that they were Christians. They presumed that they were right with God. We met people from different religions who just presumed that because they were good people that God was going to um, receive them into heaven one day and because of their good works that somehow God will cover their sin by their good works. It's presumption. It's not based upon the word of God. Let me just lead you to a scripture. This is one that Panos was sharing at the uh, residential home last night. Matthew chapter 7. And, uh, you know, when Panos was giving his testimony last night, there were a few uh, people with wide eyes listening. And, uh, you know, Panos was sharing this scripture. And um, he starts to hit off in verse 21. The Lord Jesus Christ, he says that not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And verse 23, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And here we have a classic example of people that are presuming to be right with God. And I want you to notice three things from these few scriptures here. The first one is, is that this is not speaking about atheists. It's not even speaking about people that are Muslims. It's not speaking about Jehovah's Witnesses. This is speaking about people who are naming the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. People who are doing miracles in his name. I don't hear about atheists or about even Muslims that are using the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't believe that he is the Lord. This is speaking here about people, most likely, that have been in our congregation, that have been in churches not only around this country, but around the whole world. And they're presuming to be Christians, presuming to be the Lord's people. And, um, you know, it might be like that here this morning. There may be one or two here who presume to be Christians because maybe they were baptized as a baby, maybe because of their good works. Jesus says here, he says, then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Secondly, we see here that they presume to be his 
not only uh, because of their good works. In verse 22, it says, And in thy name have done many wonderful works. And you know, when we presume to be right with God because of our righteousness, because of our good works, this is basically despising the word of, the God, of God, despising what God sets down as his means of receiving forgiveness, his way. You know, I was speaking to um, a Catholic um, lady yesterday. She was called Mary. And, um, you know, we got speaking about all the different doctrines and the traditions within the Catholic Church. And uh, I just mentioned one or two to her, and I said that, you know, these really contradict what the Word of God says. And I said, who are you going to believe at the end of the day? Are you going to believe the Word of God, or are you going to believe your priest? And I said, at the end of the day, you're going to have to make a decision. And she said to me, well, I suppose at the end of the day, I'm going to believe what the priest tells me, because... He always tells the truth. He always says what's right. He believes in God. Well, I just said to her that this book, as we were thinking about last Sunday night, this is our final authority. It's not man's opinion. It's not what I think. It's not what the pastor thinks or a pope or a priest. It's what God says. This is his law. This is his commandments. This is the way. He sets it down very clearly in the word of God. It's through Jesus. He is the mediator between man and God. There is no other way. But not only that, um, in Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, it says that not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. It's not our righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ only that we can be accepted. Thirdly, we see here that these people will be told by Christ himself to depart. He says in verse 23, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You know that there's going to be multitudes in hell who are guilty of presumption. They'll be saying things like, well, I'm sure that that was the right way. I'm sure I was believing the right things, but they were despising the word of God. There will be a multitude of people right now waiting for judgment day who have been presuming to be right with God, but it's not been according to his word. I wonder, do we presume to be Christians this morning? Jesus Christ, and uh, Panos mentioned this verse last night at the rest home as well. He reminded us of the verse. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. It's the only way. Maybe we're here this morning and maybe... We've been presuming that we've been right with God because of all these different things. Why don't we put things right this morning and stop our presumption and become born again? You know, we said it many times. I mentioned it last night at the residential home, but it's as simple as ABC. 
It's simple to become a Christian. Ask Jesus to forgive you for your sins. Believe he died on the cross and rose again. And thirdly, ask him to come. Invite him into your hearts by faith and mean it with all of your heart. And if you do, you will become a Christian today. It's simple. But the pastor often says that it's not easy because you've got to come to that place where you recognize that you are not good enough. But Jesus Christ is, and he's done it for you. And you just need, all you need to do is accept it, say a prayer with all of your heart, and you will become a Christian today. Wonderful. You don't have to presume anymore. You can know for sure. Not only presuming to be a Christian when you're not, but secondly, presuming to have tomorrow when you don't. Now, I'm not going to pick this morning on certain individuals, but, you know, as young people, I've been young at one time, but, you know, when you're young, I'm still young, I reckon. I'm only in my, in my 40s, but when you're young, you tend to presume a few things. And first of all, you probably presume to have all of your life ahead of you to make a decision. Let's have a look at James chapter 4. And, you know, we've been re reminded of a, a young person this morning, uh, Seth Beaver. And uh, this verse comes to, comes to my mind when I think of uh, young people. <clears throat> Chapter 4 and verse 13. And it says, Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Verse 14. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. We haven't got all our life ahead of us. Really, we only have today. We only have really this moment. We don't know what's going to happen. We've been hearing this morning, haven't we, about a young lady who's passed into eternity. We know about Seth. Seth had no idea what would happen on that Sunday morning. What was he, 17 years old? We don't have tomorrow. None of us have tomorrow. We don't know. We don't have our, all of our days ahead of us to make a decision. But not only do we sometimes presume that we have all our lives ahead of us, but we also presume that we must finish our studies first. Why would you presume that God wants you to plan your future without him? You know, I think if I was in a situation where maybe I was at a university or if I was... Um, thinking of leave, if I was leaving school, I hope, I, hope, I hope that I would think like this, that I would ask God about my studies and about directions that where God would want me to go in my young life. I hope that that's the way it is for you young people. You're in university and, you know, it's so easy to make plans but not to involve God in them not to ask God for his directions for your life. And that really is the first place that you need to put God. God, what do you want me to study? Where do you want me to go? And we'll see that God will open the doors and he will close certain doors. We've seen it in the life of Maurice, haven't we? 
even in these last few months, how the Lord has opened doors for her. And that it's so important that we involve God in our plans. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 1 says, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not. You know, last night when we were in the residential home, you know, <clears throat> there seems to be a cycle in life. And it seems to be like a, we start off young, get into our mid-teens, we get into our 20s, and we've got all our faculties, we've got our mind there, and everything seems great. We're making decisions, and life seems to, you know. But then, as we get older, it seems to me as though we seem to go back to our childhood, and we seem to get into that place where we are so childish that we're not really able to make decisions that we should and you know, the Bible says here, while the evil days come not. And this is speaking about time, a time that we will get into where we're not really able to remember the Creator. The Bible says, remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not. This is the day. Today is the day. Thirdly, we may presume to say that I will become a Christian when I'm ready. Yeah? It's up to me. This is my life. I will make the decision when it's right for me, when I'm ready. Well, if that's what you're presuming, you, you forget what the Lord Jesus Christ said in John 6. He says that no man come to me can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. We can't come to the Lord Jesus Christ just when we think that we can. Unless the Lord Jesus Christ... He's going to draw you and is going to, by his Holy Spirit, reveal to you the truth. It's not going to happen. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. There may be a time, it may be this morning, where God is speaking to you and he may be drawing you to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. I believe that we can resist him. I believe that we can resist his call. I don't believe that God forces anybody to become a Christian. We have a choice. And it may be that God is here this morning. He's giving you an understanding, maybe for the first time. Maybe you've read a scripture about being born again many times, but maybe this morning God is revealing that scripture to you personally just like he did to Panos maybe six years ago when he became a Christian. He told us that last night that he'd been brought up uh, around the Bible, he'd been brought up around Christians. But when somebody was preaching and speaking the word of God, it was like God was pointing a finger to him directly. You see, God was drawing him. How is it with you this morning? Maybe you're a young person. Don't presume that you will become a Christian when you are ready. If God is speaking to you this morning, you need to act and you need to come to him. Genesis 6 verse 3, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. Proverbs 27 verse 1 says, Boast not of, of thyself of tomorrow, 
For thou knowest not what a day may bring. I wonder what presumptuous reason is keeping you back from becoming a Christian here this morning. False professions. But secondly, I'd like us just to finish off this morning on another presumptuous sin, and this is something that Christians often get involved in as well. And this is false predictions. Um, this is a, a presumptuous sin that came, has come to light, I think, very prominently even this year in the month of uh, May. And I'd like just to read an article about a man called uh, Harold Camping. You've probably never heard of his name before. But um, I would imagine that maybe in the next few weeks you may hear about his name if you read the newspapers or you're looking on the internet in the news. But um, this is um, an article made um, in May. And uh, this is about Harold Camping, who made the following presumptuous predictions. Let me just read this. He says... It says, Mr. Camping predicted that 200 million Christians would be taken to heaven on Saturday, May the 21st, 2011. What's wrong about that? Is that a presumptuous sin? Well, it is really because the Bible is not really given as a date, is it? Um, at six o'clock in the evening, and this was going to happen before the earth is destroyed. This is the time where... He believed that the Christians would be taken from this earth. And um, he reckoned that this was going to happen at 6 o'clock. And it says here that his independent ministry, which is called Family Radio, spent millions, some of it from donations made by followers, on more than 5,000 billboards and 20 vehicles plastered with the Judgment Day message. Mr. Camping said that his prophecy that the world would end was off by five months. Because, of ju because Judgment Day would actually come on October 21st, 2011. So that's only one or two weeks away, isn't it? It says here that it is not the first time the independent Christian radio host has been forced to explain when his prediction did not come to pass. He also predicted the, the apocalypse would come in 1994, but said it didn't happen then because of a mathematical error. Now, do true prophets of God, do they get their predictions wrong because of, because of mathematical errors? Peter, can you, this is a, we've got a mathema, mathematical expert here. We've got one at the back, Tunica, who she's always in uh, mathematics. But according to the Bible, do, two prophet, do true prophets of God, do they get their predictions wrong because of a mathematical error? Well, what does the Word of God say about such presumptuous failures? And I want us to have a look at a scripture in Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 18, because there's going to be many people, you know, in these next few weeks, I believe, that are going to be, um, going to be misled following this false prophet. Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 19 down to verse 22. And we're going to see three things here. Uh, let's just have a look in verse 19. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, so speaking about the, the prophet that, um, was, that God was going to raise up from among their brethren, it says, And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. 
But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. And if thou shalt say in thine heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? In verse 22, when a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken. But the prophet hath spoken it presumptuously, thou shalt not be afraid of him. And I just want us to know, uh, see here, a few things. First of all, they that speak a word in his name, which he hasn't commanded, in verse um, 20 to verse 22, the Bible says that they speak it, in verse 22, presumptuously. They do it, really, from their own will. They despise uh, God's, God's um, commandments, his word, uh, secondly, in verse 20, it says, even that prophet shall die. Do you know that if Mr. Camping was living all these years back and he was presuming these things, that he would have died. He would have been executed. Uh, that's the law of Moses. And in verse 22, it says here that we are not to be afraid, basically saying that we're not to turn aside from the road that we're on. Uh, we're not to be afraid of him. We're not to be afraid of these people that make presumptuous predictions that are not according to the word of God. What does Scripture teach about the day and the hour of our Lord's return? Well, first of all, the Bible teaches us that it's unknown. We don't know the day. We know the time. Uh, we know the um, that there are signs, but we don't know the exact day that our Lord Jesus Christ is coming. We believe it's soon because we see things around us happening. And the Bible gives us some indications. But let's just have a look in Matthew chapter 24. And uh, let's just have a look at what the Lord Jesus Christ teaches us. Matthew 24 and verse 36. And Jesus says, But of that day and hour knoweth how many men? No man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. It's unknown. Why would it be unknown when the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back? Well, I think that we get a, a good clue in Mark chapter 13 and verse 32. And here the Lord Jesus Christ says again, he says, But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father and then in verse 33, he says, Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taken a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants, and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. And then he says, verse 35, Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing, or in the morning. Lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all. What's the next word? Watch. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to do. He wants us to watch. 
And this is very important because, you know, as Christians, it's very possible that if we knew the exact time, the exact hour that our Lord Jesus Christ was coming, we may decide just to have a little bit of a nap and say, right, I'll put my alarm on for such and such a time, and then I'll wake up, and then I'll start getting, no. It's not like that in the Scriptures. He's made it like this, so that we're watching, and we're ready all the time. Even the disciples, they were to be ready. They never knew when the Lord Jesus Christ was coming back, but they believed that it was imminent. They believed it could happen at any time. We're living 2,000 years later, and really we should be as those disciples, they, as the Lord Jesus Christ told us, we should be watching for his return. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we see here that not only is it unknown, but it's imminent. It could happen even today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And uh, these are the words of the Apostle Paul. He says in verse 1, he says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. We don't know when the thieves are coming. If we did, we'd be, we'd be watching and waiting for them, wouldn't we? It's like this with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is going to come as a thief in the night. It's going to come suddenly. And we need to be ready. Are we ready here this morning? I don't know if you are presuming to be a Christian, but you just don't know when the Lord's coming. He may come before this, this service is finished. And if you're not a Christian, it's going to be too late. There's no second chance. Not like this lady yesterday was saying to me that this Muslim lady that, you know, we may get another opportunity. No, it's not like that. Today is the day of salvation. And if we're Christians here this morning, we need to be watching and waiting for his return. It could happen at any time. Why presume to have tomorrow to become a Christian? And if we're Christians, we need to be living our lives like he may be coming at any moment. We need to have a witness for those around us. May we be those that don't fall into presumption, presumptuous sins. Let's have a word of prayer.